And it gives me great pleasure to welcome into the studio from NZME, out of course of the New Zealand Herald Stable sports writer, rugby specific sports writer, I might add, especially at this time of the year, uh, Liam Napier. Liam, welcome into the program. I, I trust you're well and still scratching your head over what we all witnessed on Sunday in Wellington. Yeah, thanks, Dars. Great to be here. Uh, look, still chewing over Wellington, for sure. It was a uh, very surprising, I guess, test match, surprising result. Fairly sort of average game, I guess, for 80 minutes, and then it exploded into life in the in the last nine minutes, and uh, it's hard to take in exactly what happened in, in that nine minutes but there's certainly a lot of talking points um, a lot of flaws for the All Blacks to fix up and um, you know I guess we can say you know as we speak right now Dave Rennie certainly left an early imprint on the Wallabies as well. So it's a classic Hanson flush the dunny and move on but if you don't inspect the damage at the bottom of the bowl you're not going to improve it was almost though like a, a typical opening match of the season which is what it was that just happened to come up against someone that wasn't a tier two nation. Yeah, it's a, a fair assessment. I think if you look at the the All Blacks, typically in any normal, ordinary rugby year, which this is is not, their first test in July is typically rusty, um, and you know there hasn't been any any test rugby for the best part of all, almost a year. It's been you know four hundred odd days since they played at home, which is the longest in in fifty odd years. Um, so you know there were going to be elements of rust, but we expected much more from the All Blacks, and we do expect much more from the All Blacks. I don't think there's any excuse for the lack of physicality and intent from the All Blacks forward pack, and that was really the one main source of their their problems. Um, they didn't get enough ball. They didn't come off the line as a unit. You know, Sam Kane made 25 tackles, many of those big hits, but there wasn't enough of that. And, you know, that was a problem that stretches back to the World Cup semi-final against England, and that was the one area you really expected them to, to improve on Uh and we didn't see that, so that was a major surprise. Um, Aaron Smith and Dane Coles fronting today, and very honest and open about. Um, and quite sad as well, I might add. They like they'd just been given a right flailing in the review just beforehand. Huh? That's right. They just arrived from the rev- review, and and it was pretty clear that some of those clips that had, that had come out highlighted um, a number of failings, and and they were very honest about those. And and Dane Coles talking about the Ford pack, and Aaron Smith saying he was upstaged by Nick White, who was superb, and. and and again, it's not something new in that regard. When you go back last year to the the Perth Test, when the Wallabies shocked the All Blacks there, of course Scott Barrett red card, but the Wallabies were dominant that day. And Nick White was again, you know, caused all sorts of problems around the ruck and picking out tiring defenders, and and that was a catalyst for the Wallabies getting in behind the All Blacks in Wellington. So. A lot of these things aren't new, and I guess that's the concern that you know the All Blacks forwards not fronting in that semi-final, and Nick White exposing them around the fringes. These are old problems. So, um, and they also knew that Dave Rennie would come and target the breakdown. You know, when he was Chiefs coach, he, you know, that was his mo: target the breakdown, fly and bring that physicality. So they knew that, and they didn't respond. So now they've got another week and another crack to to rectify that. Is this a personnel issue? Is this a coaching issue? Can you identify that with the change? that have to be made plainly it's it's mental upstairs when you say and players say we didn't come with the intent and I always find that a questionable thing to say it's like you didn't know you had a test match coming up but talk to us around that whether it is a player situation or a coaching situation that that lack of aggression and intent at the breakdown 
Yeah, it's a combination of things, I guess. Um, there's a the new management team that's come in with the All Blacks, while Foster's, you know, the continuity there. You've got John Plumtree, who uh, is a real hard-nosed character. He's a, he's a lock-loose forward himself, and his main area of expertise and focus is the contact area and the breakdown. So there was a real expectation that the All Blacks would really bring some 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 real physicality and aggression to that, and they didn't. So that was a major surprise. And from a mentality perspective, I think, yeah, that does fall on the coaches, on the leadership group to drive that throughout the week to make sure that they, they do bring the required intent. Um, but there is no excuse for not having that. You know, the All Blacks are the, the elite of of the game here and have been at the pinnacle of the game worldwide and they're expected to be on at that level and there's no real excuse for not being. Well, did they expect to be on themselves? And when the expectation arose that they weren't on, suddenly I won't say panic, but there was a feeling within the side that, hold on, this is not going the way we thought it to go. How do we respond to this? We don't know. You mentioned the leadership maybe not being there. And does that also nicely dovetail into the fact that the decision around the snap goal at the end just didn't occur? That's a leadership issue too. I think it's symptomatic of a, of a new group. There are a number of new players coming in, a new leadership group, new management. So there is you know, elements of them still coming to grips with each other. I think in that last instance, you, you talk about the drop goal. You know, At the base of the ruck, you had uh, Hoskins Satutu, so a rookie player at the base, TJ Pedernara, has just taken a dab prior to that and Sam Kane standing off the ruck pointing back to Richie Mwanga saying there's the drop kick that's the option but you've got a, a first test all black at, at the base of the ruck and he's given a bit of a wayward pass to Geordie Barrett and he's had to dive forward who had George Bridge on the outside arm mark so you've got a number of conflicting things happening in a highly stressful situation and, and players who haven't been in, in those situations before so they'll learn from those and um so yeah, I think th- this is a new era, you know, new All Blacks captain, new new All Blacks coach, um, a number of, they had three debutants on Saturday, so I guess you can give them a little bit of leeway there, but if you go back, to, you know, to what was a really settled era under, under McCaw and Hanson and the like, the All Blacks in those closing stages and those pressure moments invariably came back and nailed those clutch moments, so maybe it's going to take a little bit of time for, for this batch to, to learn. They had the typical all-black trick of doing magic things just each side of the half. Unfortunately, the magic wasn't a rabbit out of the hat. Well, it was a dead hare uh, when Rico dropped that ball. That may have been, look, it was halfway through the match, but how key was that, do you think, to the attitude going into that second half? It would have made quite the difference. Yeah, it was massive. There's no getting away from that. You strike right on half time. Uh, it's a very different changing room for both teams. You go in and and uh, you know you're five points up as opposed to potentially twelve. It completely changes the pl- complexion of the game. And you know, um, I guess on some levels you feel for a bloke like Rico to make it such a massive mistake on a stage like that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a basic thing. You know, you're taught from a young age to put the ball down with two hands and, and or fall on. <laughs> or dive over the line, just get the thing down one way or the other. And, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see um, how the All Blacks treat that scenario, whether they give him another crack and, and put him out there and what's been, you know, what will have been a big week for him to recover, I guess, from, from that from that era. Uh, and there are a number of options for the All Blacks in the midfield, you know. Jack Goodhue was at 12. I personally feel he's better at 13. He played at 12 for the Crusaders, but that was primarily so he and Braden Enoch could play together. And Anton Leonard Brown's equally capable at twelve and thirteen, and and he was on the bench to give Rico the start, and and that was a form decision. You know, it's 
you got to be uh, fair that Rico was outstanding for the Blues at centre. He's a guy that brings so much from an attacking perspective, and and had he got that ball down, we might have been singing his praises and 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 saying he'd, he'd made the most of his first starting crack at centre. But uh, those are the decisions for Foster to make this week, and and it's not just in the midfield; it's right throughout the back line in particular, where you know Caleb Clark came off the bench and and was outstanding with his size and physicality, and made a real case to start on the left wing. Uh, whether Bowden Barrett's fit, uh, he should come back from what it was a minor Achilles injury. Does he slot straight back in at fullback for McKenzie, who struggled on a difficult day, and Nick White got in behind him, or does he come into ten and and replace Mwanga and and do you? put Barrett, Geordie Barrett back to fullback who was the form fullback throughout Super Rugby so you know it's going to be really interesting from a selection perspective for this all black panel uh, Grant Fox, Ian Foster and John Plumtree to see if they you know give these guys another crack or do they make you know quite significant changes Well I suppose if you look at the psychological blow to some of these young players we'll take Rico because we've been talking about him but if he was to be punished if you will for a lacklustre game he's a little out of position defensively sometimes put his foot on the touchline drop the ball what kind of damage would that do to him long term would they be likely to consider that in their selection? Yeah I think you look at all sorts of things with selection. You look at body language. You look at, um, you know, confidence. You can see with, you know, people um, intuitively how they respond to to good and bad performances. Uh, what they like at training, whether they're up or down, or uh, you know, these sorts of things come into play as well. So um, we don't see that. You know, we're on we're on the outside. We don't see how the whether he's walking around with his you know his shoulders slumped and his head down, or whether he's quickly shaking it off and and keen to sort of rip back in so they'll know that a lot better than us um, but it is a you know it's a difficult thing to deal with you know there's a lot of um, attention that comes when you make a, a high profile error just as much as there's a lot of adulation when you have a, a, a sort of uh, you know a, a superb game so uh, people are, are different you and I are different we de- deal with experiences differently so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see um a, their selections, and uh, I think that'll tell us a lot about how you know Rico's responded to that. The hardcore we're saying doesn't matter what it happens out the back. If we're having issues up the front, which is what we identified earlier on in the piece, maybe that's where the change should be focused. But is there change necessary, or is it just a tweak around that eight? Yeah, again, you could look at the, the makeup of the loose forwards. Uh, Shannon Frizzell was one player, I guess, who was outstanding for the Highlanders in Super Rugby Aotearoa, and probably didn't make the step up as, as you'd hope at blindside. So do they look to, to bring a guy like Hoskins Tutu in at number eight and perhaps shift Artie or Sam Kane to six? That's one potential option there. Uh, I think the rest of the pack will probably be reasonably settled. They lost Nipo La Lala prior to kickoff like Bowden. Um, Nipo was a, a, a personal matter which brought um, Tyrell Lomax on and he was he, he had real impact when he came off the bench um, in the latter stages of that match. So I don't see the All Blacks making too many changes to their to their tight five, but from a mentality point of view, there needs to be a significant shift. And and as Cole said today, you know uh, that comes back to them as individuals turning up, 
and fronting, and that's a personal pride thing. You know, the Wallabies got one over them. They uh, they brought more aggress, uh, you know, aggression in a tent, and and that really hurts an All Black pack. And it's not the first time we've seen this, and they'll they really need to respond this week. And in closing, what does Rennie do with his Wallabies? Because we know what happened in Perth last time, and they came over here with quite the swagger, and they got well and truly rolled over the top of. The, Rennie is a very different character, though. You could almost argue, if you wanted to, that the victory was theirs, even though it was a draw. So where does Rennie go from now? Any personnel changes he has to make? Any tweaks that he has to make, you believe, before this big Eden Park showdown? I don't know if it's so much personnel with the Wallabies. I think it's more driving home the fact that, you know, be prepared because this All Black team will be a lot better and, you know, you're going to have to go up another level again. Um it's about responding to that and, and being ready for that and not accepting, not not being grateful for a draw. You know, I think he's got to drive a mentality where that's not good enough and set the challenge for the Wallabies team. What, what, what bigger challenge than having the first victory at Eden Park since 1986? I mean, the other thing about it is so many of these guys weren't even born then, so it's not you know, necessarily quite as daunting until until you maybe run out and see the 47,000 people there bang for your blood and, and all the uh, the history and the, and the, uh, the rise it gives the All Blacks. So, yeah, I think, you know, you put that challenge on the wall and you say, what would it mean to you to, to be the first Wallabies team to win there? So give them something to aspire to and say, you know, a draw, you know, that's not what we want. We want to knock over the All Blacks and then go back home and then win the Bledisloe. Let's not accept where we were last week. Let's lift again and that's the type of character Rennie is you know he he wasn't satisfied with that draw and he'll be driving that into the Wallabies this week. For more insight check out Liam Napier all his columns nzme.co.nz you can find of course uh, sorry nzherald.co.nz Liam thanks very much for joining us on Sports Talk. Anytime does.